This is Mortgage Matters with Misha, your source for real estate market updates and strategies and answers to your real estate lending questions. Now, to provide you with insight and help you navigate the constantly changing world of real estate lending, here's your host, financial services expert, Misha Dimitruk. Good afternoon, Bay Area. Misha Dimitruk, NMLS 694427, coming at you once again with all the information that you need to make informed and educated decisions about your real estate financing endeavors. If you have questions or comments or need help with a transaction, if you have heard pieces of the show and are curious about how that could apply to you and your life, please don't hesitate to call. We're more than just a radio show. We're actually functional lenders. This is what we do on a daily basis. And I'm here sharing these pieces of information with you so that that information gets to where it needs to be. All of you are listeners. 831-435-0385 is my phone number. M-E-S-H-A at EssexMortgage.com. That's E-S-S-E-X Mortgage.com if you would like to email. All right. Last week's show, the seller challenge was to know how to be your own deal maker. Find out what your options are. I had a fantastic conversation with Miss Maya. Maya called to let me know that she has a property that's free and clear and she's looking to, to make another purchase, but she's been told she has to sell this other property first because she wouldn't otherwise have the financing and contingent offers are just not something that she's going to um, be able to capture with. Now, Maya and I had a long conversation about what the structure is of the current property, what she's looking to acquire. She said she'd heard of a bridge loan before, but that all of her money is basically tied up into this property or in stocks that she doesn't want to displace um, based on their growth position. And so she was curious about something I mentioned on the show, the cross-collateral loan. Based on the fact that she owned the property, she's looking to sell free and clear we were able to structure the cross-collateral loan for Maya to acquire this new property without having to put a down payment at all. So she's now leveraging the value of two properties. She has zero down payment that she has to bring into the transaction. And all she's bringing to the table is her closing costs and fees. Maya is thrilled. So again, Sometimes it's a new set of terminology, a new set of ideas and thinking that come to the table. Her realtor had not heard of the cross-collateral. No one she spoke to about financing before had offered her the cross-collateral. And so it was the absolute key to her success in her getting exactly what she needed and not feeling so subject to the market. I also had a conversation with Rick. Rick called because he's of the age of the young, 64. And about to be 65. And he has been waiting in order to take out a reverse mortgage on his property. Now, he had toyed with selling and buying another property. um, But the concept of just having a reverse mortgage in the house that he's in and not having any mortgage payment that he had to make made it so that he could afford to augment and adjust the house in the ways that he would need in order to live out his elder years there. And so Rick's conversation with me was, I heard you say a reverse mortgage down to age 55. I've never heard this before. And we further went on to talk about how that property that might not fit his entire needs for his growing life in his retirement and how he may not need to adjust that house, but he could turn around and with the equity he has in it, 
do a reverse mortgage purchase, sell that home, buy another home, use the proceeds from the sale to make a reverse mortgage purchase, which acquires a new property for him that would be better suited to the rest of his life, not put him into a construction zone for however many months or years while it all gets taken care of, and give him that alleviation of forward mortgage payment. Now, again, not something that Rick had spoken to anyone about. He'd talked about reverse mortgage a few times with a few different people. No one had offered the reverse mortgage down to the age of 55, and no one had discussed the concept of reverse mortgage purchase. So if you are out there as a seller and you feel like there must be some way to achieve what it is I'm trying to do, but the answers from the professionals that you've asked is limiting your options or have stifled your opportunity in some way, I ask that you give me a call and give me the opportunity to have a conversation with you about what it is you're trying to achieve. We get right into the nitty gritty very quickly. Um, some of these conversations, people are a little bit surprised that I just start jumping in and asking questions and seeing what I can put together for them so that we can find out if there's value in exploring further or are they on the right path with what they have. I'm absolutely of the mind that the best thing for the client is the best thing for all of us to do. So sometimes people will call me and say, here's what I'm doing. And I'm wondering if that's the best for me. And I absolutely give them the tip and trick of how to continue on the path that they are on or overcome a challenge that they're trying to work through so that they can continue to keep the transaction they have on the smoothest course to closing. It's not always about taking over and saying, well, let's start from scratch and make sure that I get paid. And that's oftentimes what I hear from people when they are being told, you know, get a second opinion, find out from someone else. They are just told, someone just told me I need to apply and start from the beginning with them and we'll work through it. That's not always the best set of circumstances for a client who may be in a transaction, who maybe the domino effect is in play where their transaction triggers an inability for someone else in front of them, the purchase that they're trying to make and the people who are trying to buy their property. So we definitely always want to take into consideration where you're at in any given process. And ultimately, we want you to have all this confidence and information at your fingertips before you get into a transaction. So you have confidence that you're going about it the right way, that you know what you're up against, and that you understand your goal, and everyone's working towards that common goal. So again, if you have questions as a seller, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, I think you're definitely overlooked in some capacities about understanding what your financial options are before you actually sell that magnificent home that everyone is vying for. And I want to make sure that you are likewise thrilled about the sale that you are about to make and your opportunities going forward, just like you hope a buyer who comes in and purchases your property will be elated to live there forevermore or however long they're there. All right, this week's vocabulary word for mortgage terminology, it's a tricky one. The word is contingency, and contingency means different things in different arenas. Again, we're going to talk about how contingency plays into the real estate market, but the, for contingency in a contract, as far as a purchase contract goes, it's a clause in the agreement um, that specifies actions or requirements that have to be met in the contract in order for that to be a binding, a legally binding contract. In the contingencies in a contract, there's typically the physical 
contingencies, which includes all of the inspections, sometimes viewing the property during um, pandemic. That was a big one. A lot of people were buying properties without ever having toured them. And so one of the initial contingencies was the buyer was to actually view the home in person. Uh, so physical contingencies include things like inspections and um, the exploration of what's really going on here at the property, getting the title reports, getting any of the um, information, deeper dive, so to speak, about the property. The next contingency is typically the appraisal contingency. And the appraisal contingency means that the property will either come to an appraised value that equals the purchase price or higher, and that there are no stipulations in the appraisal that would cause any type of problem, no required repairs, no, no indication that the property is vastly different than what it's uh, advertised as being sold. And then there's the loan contingency. And the loan contingency is the stopping point in the contract where you, by you are agreeing that your loan is approved to a degree where you are comfortable releasing that contingency. Now, the release of contingency means I'm not backing out of this contract because of whatever that contingency is. So when you clear the physical inspections and physical contingencies, you're saying to the seller, I'm not backing out of this contract because of something that I found here in these inspections. And that generally, if you were to back out based on that, you would have two options. If you found something in an inspection that was problematic for you, you could go to the seller and say, I'd like you to fix this, or I'm, I'm going to withdraw my offer based on what I've discovered from the property. If the seller says, yes, no problem, we will fix it and take care of it. That's great. Or the seller can say, well, we're not going to repair that, but we might offer you or remedy that. It might not be something that needs to be necessarily repaired. We're going to not going to remedy it, but we're going to offer you a, a cash closing cost credit. We're going to offer you a credit. You can fix that or remedy it or adjust it or augment it to your desire. After the closing, we're going to compensate you in some way. And the same thing could be true when it comes to the um, appraisal. If there's something small in there that's highlighted, not if the value does not come in. If the value doesn't come in and the appraisal contingency is still in place, then the seller either needs to renegotiate the purchase price to the actual price in the contract, or excuse me, on the appraisal, lower that because the financing for the buyer is based on the lower of the purchase price or the appraised value. If the appraised value comes in lower, then that is the maximum financing that the purchase price will be based on for purchasing. Meaning, sorry, I said that a little bit confused. In the event that a purchase price, I'll use round numbers, is 500,000 and the appraisal comes in at 495, the financing will be based on as if the purchase price was 495. They will not base it on the 500,000. You'll have to, as a buyer, come up with the difference in cash or have the seller renegotiate. So if the appraisal contingency is still in play, the buyer goes to the seller and say, hey, this property didn't appraise. The seller can reduce the price to the appraised value, or the seller can say, I'm not willing to do that. And then the buyer can cancel the contract and say they're, they're out. Now, there's other considerations that could come into play. If it was a small dollar amount like that, you're probably not likely to lose the transaction. Um, sometimes in appreciating markets or when there's bidding wars, there will be a clause in the contract that says that there is no appraisal contingency. There might be a physical contingency and a loan contingency because the bidding for the property is anticipated to go above what the actual appraised value might really result in. And so that's 
the real estate agents involved be doing a great job knowing that if the bidding goes higher than what the market is dictating the appraisal would come in at, they're saying in advance, this is not a contingency that you're going to be able to fall back on. You're expected to make up the cash difference and buyers readily will be explained that so that they understand what happens if the appraisal doesn't come in low. But these contingencies are stopping points in that contract where if the contingency is not met and cleared and signed off, there's an opportunity to renegotiate or cancel the transaction and any funds deposited by the buyer are then returned to the buyer because they have been abiding the contract and those contingencies are the stopping points where if they didn't sign off, then they get to back out of the transaction and get their money back. So contingency, that's a big one. And it's something that we talk a lot about uh, in getting into a contract and making sure everyone keeps tight with those timeframes, making sure that they understand what their obligations and opportunities are within the contract. And something your realtor should be very upfront in explaining to you. Again, with the electronic signature era that we're in, sometimes people are not reading the contract all the way. And contingency dates are things that people shorten in order to make an offer more competitive to um, in the market to a seller saying, well, we'll, we'll do a five-day appraisal contingency. If they're not talking with your lender and they don't know that you can get an appraisal in five days, that's not going to work. So please read your contracts, be aware of what's going on. We're going to take a break and we'll be back here in just a moment. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with Misha. This is Mortgage Matters with Misha with financial services expert, Misha Dimitruk. One of the hot topics that I hear from so many of our listeners is credit. And I, I can't tell you how often I speak with people and when the topic of credit comes up, which it does very quickly in all conversations because of the nature of this industry, you hear people say, well, and then the story begins. Far more people experience credit challenges or credit conundrums, I like to call them, um, where they might have gone through something and it could have been even in the past. Uh, maybe they several years ago filed a bankruptcy or had a short sale, had a foreclosure, had a modification on a loan, um, you know, experienced something negative in their world where credit played a role and they don't find a way to successfully move on. It doesn't become a, a prevalent thing in their life to clear those challenges, to make sure that they get to the next phase and to really put all of those things behind them. And I understand for all of the people who call and, and they, they're very hesitant to share this because it's not something they feel good about. I want all of our listeners to find a place of pride when it comes to their credit. There isn't anything that is going on that I have not reviewed with someone that I haven't walked them through how to repair that we haven't talked about how to recover from. And I want to help our listeners. I, it's really important to me that you know, we look at what's going on in your credit overall. And oftentimes people will say, my score just isn't where I would like it to be. And I absolutely appreciate this because this is one of those things that, that we're all looking at and we're all talking about. And unfortunately, what ends up happening is people don't understand how credit works. They look at the messages when they get their, if they get their annual credit report, they look at the messages for the codes given by the different bureaus, and they're absolutely perplexed by them. But they don't 
give someone the ability to take a look at their credit on the whole, the entire credit portfolio, and have an understanding of how they could actually get into place the best score for themselves. And I've said this before on the show, and I really sincerely mean it. Looking at your credit score is like looking at your weight every single day. And I don't advise it. I don't, what I advise is that you create for yourself healthy habits. Creating those healthy habits and sticking to those healthy habits is going to ensure your credit health, just as if you were managing the health for your body. And then you don't have to look at it every day. You don't have to fret over it because you know you're doing all those right things. Most of the time, people contact me with their credit challenges because they have things that they, their score is not where they want it to be. They have things that they haven't paid and they're not really sure how to go about getting rid of them. Or the also interesting people who have said, I'm just going to wait until that falls off. Now, for those of you who have credit collections, and sometimes it happens with small dollar collections that over time, they do fall off of your credit report. If they are larger collections, what happens in an environment where a collection is not paid on is another entity will likewise purchase that collection from another collection agency for a fraction of what's owed on it. So let's say there's a $100 collection and it's originally from a credit card company. They sell it to a collection agency for $80, $90 and they aren't able to collect on it for years on end. They could turn around and likewise sell it to another collection company for $60, $70. So it's worth it for them. They're going to get a fraction of what the original cost is, but they could go after it and they could get the money. If it's a larger dollar collection, they're not just going to walk away from it. They will actively seek to turn around and sell that to collection to someone else, and that will become a new collection. Uh, derogatory accounts are not eligible to be on your credit report for more than seven years, but that's why those collections sell to a new company so that they're continuously coming after you and continuously renewing. If it's a new collection, they're still available to attach to your credit and that derogatory information renewing, even a, a new collection of old debt being registered by a new collection agency can impact your score adversely because it's a new account that shows up in the derogatory credit category. Likewise, when you're talking about trying to improve your credit scores, people look at their overall credit and say, well, I have this card that I use primarily because of the benefits with the card. And so, um, but I have another card that don't have any balance on. So my credit utilization percentage is low, but my score never improves. And that may come down to how you utilize the credit on that one card. The credit bureaus, the Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, they give you better scores for having more accounts that you manage the debt over. So having fewer balanced dollars across more accounts is going to be better than just utilizing one account heavily and having other accounts with no balance. If you need more information, if you need some more tips and tricks, give me a call, 831-435-0385. We'll take a break and be back in a few. It's Mortgage Matters with Misha. Once again, here's Misha Dimitruk. All right, buyers, all the buyers out there, we are definitely seeing more interest from buyers, first-time buyers, repeat buyers, investors, the 
idea and understanding that there's a good amount of inventory out there and there are still amazing properties to buy are that story is out. The news has broken and people are listening. So once again, I'm here to talk with you about one of my favorite topics, formal, fully underwritten pre-approval. Now, this is something that is near and dear to my heart because it is how I believe everyone gets the upper leg in understanding what their opportunities are. In understanding what they can purchase, how that will result in a monthly payment for them, what that looks like for their family's budget, and how they're going to begin moving forward in life with the idea that homeownership is available to them. When I talk with first-time buyers about formal pre-approval, one of the major sticking points that I explain to them is that I want them to have all of this information up front and that I put in a buffer to the interest rate that I'm qualifying them at. And I explain how much of a buffer that is. And I explain what the rate would be today if they got into contract and then why I'm adding that to the market because of their shopping. And then I begin by asking them if they will live as if they're making that payment right now. So if they're right now, if they're paying $2,000 a month rent and their mortgage payment is going to be $3,000, that they set aside $3,000, pay their rent from that money and begin living that way. Don't add to their credit card debt. Don't you know, scrimp and save in ways that would be unrealistic for you to sustain. Feel how that mortgage payment works for you. Explore if you need to make adjustments. Discover if there's still wiggle room in there. And find out the best way to live your best life this way. Buying a home is more than just a financial decision. It's a life goal for many, many people. And it's stability and comfort. And it has a big emotional aspect to it. And it's not to be taken lightly, but it's definitely needs to be explored. If you have a solid job, if you have steady income, if you have worked on even to get your credit to a good place, or if your credit has always been in a good place and you're renting and you're paying someone else's mortgage, what I can tell you is find out how you can pay your own. Find out how you can take yourself off of the wheel of being subject to a landlord. More often than not, the clients that I speak to that are first-time buyers, they're reaching out because something happened where they are renting. And it's that they have to make a decision. They have to move forward. They have to find somewhere else to go. And because the rental market is so impacted, they look to make a purchase because they think that might be, in fact, easier than finding and competing for another rental. And that's sometimes true. So if you haven't taken a look at it, do yourself the favor of doing that work, doing the formal pre-approval in advance, find out what you could buy and get excited about your opportunities. It definitely puts you in the driver's seat of your life and the ability to make that purchase, acquire that property, and no longer be subject to someone else telling you, you we're going to raise your price on a monthly basis. No, you can't adjust that house to make it fit your needs the best. I don't know if there's a better way for you to invest your everyday dollars in your peace of mind, your mental and financial comfort, and also your ability. There are plenty of people out there who can afford to make a purchase of a home, but they think, well, I don't, I don't need a whole home for myself. There's an opportunity for you to make a purchase and rent out rooms and offset your own expenses. Put an accessory dwelling unit in the backyard and make a good portion of your monthly housing obligation back in rental. 
it's an investment in you and your future and your life and your happiness. So please contact today, 831-435-0385, M-E-S-H-A at EssexMortgage.com. You can apply over the phone. You can apply through my mobile app. You can apply through a website. There's no cost for formal pre-approval. And it's really the best gift you can give yourself. We'll be back in just a few. This is Mortgage Matters with Misha with financial services expert, Misha Dimitruk. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a treat with us, Daniel with Coldwell Banker. Daniel, please remind everybody who you are and what it is you do. Misha, how are you, Bay Area? This is Daniel Ebrahimi, been in real estate uh, since 2008. I am with Coldwell Banker Realty, and I'd love to help you. Fantastic. Now, Daniel has been on the show many times. He brings our audience here some fantastic details about these listings that he has coming to market and who are that are on the market actively. Daniel, you tell us what is going on out there. What have you got? Thank you. Uh, I got three actually in the pipeline. I do have a luxury condo on Communications Hill in San Jose, a very nice two-bedroom, two-bath. 1,255 square feet, built in 2006, lots of privacy, two deeded parking spots side by side. We're asking 849. It's got amazing uh, city views from the balcony, Um, AC, Brazilian cherry hardwood floors, gorgeous unit. Can't say anything more better about it. I have a home coming up in Belmont, if you guys like to be right in the mid-peninsula, right off the 101 in Ralston. It's on 1100 Irwin Street. It's a three bedroom, one bath, 1200 square feet on a 5,000 square foot lot for 1.9 million. And we'll be on the market in two weeks or so. A very quiet street, by the way. And I do have one in San Francisco on the, in the Excelsior neighborhood, right off Mission. Really, really sunny part of town. Great street, um, 1450 square feet two-bedroom, one bath, and a den, and a very long and deep garage. That will be on the market for about a million four, one, three, nine, nine. Wonderful. Well, Daniel, your properties that you have uh, coming to market, and, you know, it's a very different market for sellers right now. And I know that the conversations that you're having with some of your sellers has got to be a little bit of a tough one as you bring them into the reality of, Where's the market now? And, and showing them in facts and figures, this is where this is where your list price should be in order to be realistic and, and really get excited, get the market excited about it. How are you yeah. combating that with your sellers? How are you getting them excited about the opportunity when the market isn't appreciating as rapidly as it has over the last few years? Sure. Thank you, Misha. Great point. So right now, every one of my sellers, believe it or not, wants the 2021 price, and <laughs> we're just messengers here, right? We tell right. them what they should list at and what to do, and they want to challenge us. So they like to test the waters, if you will, for two to four weeks, run all the open houses and the broker tours, and notice that not one offer comes in, and then they start getting really upset, and then, then they start listening. But if Mm -hmm. they can listen to us now, that would just make life a whole lot easier. The house won't look stale. They'll probably get a much better offer if they underlist it for what it's really worth today for today's comps versus trying to be stubborn and greedy 
and ask for so much more money when the market is completely different than last year, Misha. Right. Sellers really have a hard time understanding that. I'm dealing with it with my own sellers, and they they want me just to do the open houses and wait and be patient and tell Mm -hmm. me they're not in a hurry, but they're hurting themselves is what I tell them. I say, sir, if your house is on the market more than three weeks, it doesn't look good. It looks like something's wrong with your foundation. Mhm. Mhm. Well, and even to the to the degree that um you know that letting sellers understand and for anybody out there who doesn't know, I mean the just like I tell people, I don't make decisions for you in this process. Daniel doesn't tell people this is what we list your property for. He presents them with information and and points of why he thinks a certain price would be the best price to list at, but ultimately it is the seller. So oftentimes you'll see a price come on and the seller has asked for a price that is not in touch with what is selling in the in the neighborhood in the, the now. You know, they want to talk about what their neighbor sold last year for or eight months ago. And that's not the finger on the pulse at the moment. Um, and then that property will sit. And then you'll see the price reduction start to come in. And the days on market will will start to stretch out. And it makes it very challenging, you know, for, for all agents to be able to have um conversation with their clients about let's be reasonable here and ultimately everyone wants to get their property sold so taking the advice of your trusted professionals um, and understanding that you're selling in the market now where it is today and i know daniel we've talked about this many times before but for the seller who's out there saying well i just want to finish these last few hundred thousand dollars worth of projects how do you how do you reel them in? Yeah. How do you get them to stop before they run away train with what it is that they're trying to do? I would tell them realistically, do not do it, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, because you won't get your money back today. You just won't get it back. Just stop what you're doing, make it look tidy and neat, good enough for photos, and put it on the market. Put it on now. Put it on yesterday. Do not wait. Just do right. not wait. A lot of funny things are happening out there. We have a lot more inventory. The open houses are a lot, lot slower. We see, you know, right now we may see 9 to 20 family groups come by, whereas before we had 50 to 150 groups come by. It's Mm -hmm. just different. And people don't have to make a decision in two seconds like they had to even six months ago, Misha. Right. No, it's, it's dramatically different. And it's it's hard to for people who are not part of our industry who see the immediate shift in things, um, you know, how to relay that over to our clients accurately and articulately so that they don't feel like we're just trying to do some sort of hustle up offense. We're all in it for the best sale for our clients and the best benefit of them, the client. And, and we have a fiduciary responsibility to do the right thing for them. So the, the advice and information that's being shared, ladies and gentlemen, you know, please trust and value that, that you've chosen the person to sell your property wisely and that their information is gold. Daniel, remind everyone how to get in touch with you. Yes, my cell phone is best. It's 408-761-2883 or my email is daniel.ebra at cbrealty.com. Misha, I do have to add, there is one more listing that I forgot to mention. Do I have time for that? You have one minute, Daniel. Go for it. Okay. An amazing home in Boys Hot Springs, Sonoma. Misha knows about it very much. It is a three-bedroom, two-bath, 
with AC, manufactured home on a concrete perimeter foundation built in 92 on a 9,000 um, huge lot, 9,000 square foot lot, uh, listed at 849, coming on the market tomorrow. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that. Daniel, we love having you on the show. We look forward to having you back. As always, thank you for joining us and bringing our listeners to the forefront of what's going on in the market. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, we'll take a break. We'll be back in just a minute with this week's challenge. It's Mortgage Matters with Misha. Once again, here's Misha Dimitruk. All right, Bay Area. As always, thank you for joining us for this week's challenge. Now, this week's challenge, I touched on it a little bit ago, is really for you, our listeners, to have a solid understanding about what your opportunities are. For those of you out there who are renters, if you are not in the know about what you qualify for to purchase right now, today, this challenge is for you. This is the formal pre-approval challenge. Now, some of you may say, oh, that's going to take time and energy and effort. Yes, it will but it will pinpoint for you exactly where you are and help you understand where you need to be. How many of you have a plan for how you're going to become a homeowner? How many of you have a plan for what would happen in the instance that your landlord decides to sell? Or if you have a great low rental rate, if your landlord decides to increase the rent and they don't even offer you the option of paying hundreds of dollars more. I received a call from some listeners the other day and their landlord, they'd been there 10 years. Their landlord was raising the rent a thousand dollars a month and they didn't even offer them the opportunity to pay that much because they just thought they would be mad about it. So they gave them their 60 days notice and said, you have to go because we're going to rent this for a thousand dollars more per month. Now, if you're a buyer or if you are in the process of shopping, please, Understand, get a second opinion. If you've already had your credit pulled, make sure you understand what your three credit scores are. And when you go around shopping for loan amount, purchase price, property type, and include in there those three credit scores, know that you offer that information to someone. Tell them, I have my information here in front of me and I would like a rate quote. Understand what type of a loan you're looking for and the at least the zip code of the property that you're shopping in the area that you're shopping in, and that will give you the opportunity to get a quote for a competitive offer. Now, doing that all on the same day, so make three or four phone calls in the same day. That's going to tell you how those other loan officers stand up to the offer that you have presently. Now, again, you need to know what would the offer be today from the lender you're working with. So you get your formal pre-approval. You understand here's what the rate would be today. Understand what your buffer is in your formal pre-approval. Your, all of your lenders should be buffering your rate right now, saying this is what the rate would be if you captured a property today, but I'm qualifying you at a higher interest rate in order to allow for market fluctuation. Regardless of whether you are in contract, shopping, or just getting your paperwork together, putting yourself through the processes of formal pre-approval is going to help you understand exactly where you sit in the market and help you understand if there's something out there available for you today or how to work towards your goal. Oftentimes I hear people say, I'm saving for a down payment, but they don't even know what their purchase power is. So how can they understand what they need to save for? Having a goal, writing it down, keeping track of it, and creating a plan to achieve it is going to be the best way for you all to win. And that is what we are here for. 
is to help get you across that victory line. So again, formal pre-approvals, please let us know how we can help. 831-435-0385 is my phone. M-E-S-H-A at EssexMortgage.com is my email. You can also find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Now, this show will rebroadcast tomorrow at 6 p.m. and Sundays from 3 to 4 if you missed any of it. But you can always just give me a call and let me know how I can support you and your goals individually. Our senior resident specialist, Jeff Willey, will be back with us on the 23rd. And he's going to give us a rough outline about where he's going to be around the country so we can follow along with his journey on discovering where this senior is going to rehouse himself for the foreseeable future. It's been a pleasure. Be well and stay healthy, Bay Area.